everybody, welcome to a special episode of Two Drunk Fans. We are here in Portland ahead of the Thorns vs. Rain game with a special guest, Jacob Cristobal. Am I pronouncing that right? Yes, you are. And Jacob was very kindly one of the big donators to our Kickstarter back in the day, and we finally, finally have him on the show. Jacob, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. What are you drinking? Uh, on the menu, it's called the Drunken Lemonade. Is it good? Yeah. Stacy. Gab, what are you drinking? I would like to note that his beverage is red and green. For the record, I would like I would like it noted that he is drinking a red and green beverage. Gab is implying that by ingesting the colors of the thorns, Jacob is betraying his team. My counterpoint is: a uh, hungry, thirsty people have, um, have don't have time to uh, pick and choose about colors. Wow. He doesn't see colors. Fuck you, Gab. I, is what I heard. Fuck you, Gab. I'm um, having a strawberry margarita. Thanks for asking. I'm having a strawberry, strawberry margarita as well. All right. You drink a little bit of mine. Okay. Well, ahead of Thorns Rain, um, a lot of players have just been called into national team camp for the June 2nd and June 5th friendlies against Japan. The Thorns lost six players, but the Rain just got just Fishlock back. So, Jacob, what do you think that impact is going to be on the team? Well, obviously on paper, Seattle would have the advantage being that Seattle still has the services of Kim Little, Rachel Corsi, and now the returning of Jess Fishlock, who I still think is something of a cyborg dragon to come back from a fractured leg um, about four weeks into what was initially reported as a 46-week window, which is insane. But I also know, just in the time I've talked with Jess, she's a stubborn person, but in, like, in just she's determined to get back onto the field as quick as she can. She's miserable when she's not out in the field doing her stuff, being a pain in the ass to everybody, box to box, especially to uh, Portland soccer players. Um, apologies in advance for that. But, yeah, I mean, she got 30 minutes in the friendly against Arsenal. Everybody was happy to see her back. And um, she said that for the first five minutes she felt lost, but, you know, in terms of getting, getting back her groove. But then five minutes into it, she's like, oh, I'm back, I'm good, you know, no longer on the injury report, put me in for Sunday. And um, obviously, so yeah, on paper, Seattle has the advantage. The core is there. Yes, there's no Hope Solo because she's got called away to national team duties. But we have the luxury of having Haley Kopmeyer who can start on any other team in the league. Um, and it's, yeah, it just, I, I do feel bad for Portland. They lose six players to national team duty like that. And, you know, it's just the overall, the, the growing overall frustration of, you know, does U.S. soccer really care about this league? Because if they do, then they wouldn't, you know, handcuff their play, you know, teams to say, oh, we're going to take all your national team players and screw your rivalry games, even though we like to market the hell out of them and make them important. Gab, what do you think about that evaluation of U.S. soccer and screwing over what, you know, should be a, a pretty big game? Um, I think at this point, year four, it's actually equally on U.S. soccer and NWSL. Um, NWSL is taking a weekend off next weekend by weekend because of the national team games. So why the fuck are they not taking this weekend off too if they're calling players up? What's the advantage of calling players, making them travel on Friday, not be available for weekend matches when they could travel on Monday for friendlies against, yeah, Japan, but friendlies. And who knows what sort of condition or shape the Japanese team is in. They're not going to the Olympics. You know, this isn't quite the same caliber of match as it would have been if Japan were still, you know, progressing the way that they had been a few years ago. Um, so I don't think this this 
game is worth the loss of to these teams of having these players gone. Plus, <laughs> this brings in the unpaid amateur positioning again. Year four, we now have Orlando that can bring twenty thousand plus people to the to the stadium. Um, we're seeing attendance numbers higher than we've seen them before, which means that more money is being generated. Yet we cannot pay amateur players to participate. So today, Portland's going to have three unpaid amateurs on the roster. I'm going to be pissed if an unpaid man- amateur is starting. Um, not because they're better than you know bench players at, for Portland, but that player deserves some sort of compensation. Yeah, so according to NWSL rules, you can call up amateurs, but you can't pay them. You can only compensate them for game day experience, uh, game day expenses, which I believe is might include travel. It's something like up to $120 around that area for unpaid amateurs, which you're starting for a women's pro team in the NWSL in year four that has successfully expanded with two teams now. And... You know, you kind of feel that you should be getting more than maybe 150 bucks a day to, to to play this team. And let's not forget all the effort that goes into being ready for a game day, which is all the practices, coming in, being, you know, an unpaid intern, but having to live up to the same standards as everybody else on the pro team. Yeah, and it's dumb. It's dumb that there still are unpaid amateurs. Because I remember, I think it was on Friday night, Gab, you, you know, went on on a fantastic Twitter rant about, you know, why... Why the fuck do we still have unpaid amateurs? We shouldn't. And, you know, I agree with everything that you were saying. I think I couldn't keep up in, in terms of trying to like every single tweet that we were saying. But you were raising a fantastic point. And, yeah, year four, we've had Houston and Orlando. God bless them for their aggressive, you know, MLS ownership saying, no, we want in on this. But you can't tell me that there's no money to give unpaid amateurs so that, they're, you know, that title doesn't exist. Um, and like you said, Steph, like the time that they invest in training, keeping their body re- healthy, but also just imagine if they had to take time off from their day jobs, because let's just assume that they have day jobs, you know, to supplement, you know, existing whilst keeping up this, you know, their passion of, you know, maybe if they do well enough, they get a professional player contract. But yeah, just imagine how hard it is for them to, if they're their day, day jobs, to be like, Hey, sorry, boss, I need to kind of not be at work for the next week because I have to go train with the professional team. And it's basically like a glorified job shadow. And, I mean, as much, you know, I think we all want, you know, the league to be successful, be sustainable, have proper finances, all that stuff. But they should, you know, they should not be unpaid amateurs. They, you know, just expand the rosters, increase the salary cap to something where you can pay them more than just $125 or like a, a hotel stay. Yeah, that is one solution uh, increasing the salary cap although for smaller teams like Sky Blue FC or The Flash or even you know, Chicago, non-MLS teams basically, people might argue you know, expanding it even to 300000 over what I think the current salary cap is 270 something that's simply not feasible but okay, if you can't expand the salary cap if you can't pay these players and you know players are going to be taken away at a certain point for national team duty, I mean, what other solutions are there besides more money? Well, the solution is U.S. soccer pays 
the salary for the players that they are making play because they're utilizing national team players. So increase the U.S. soccer subsidization of the league. Yeah, but but it focused. You know, it's focused subsidi- subs. I can't say that word, and it's not because of the margarita. Um, it's it's focused allocation of those resources where we say, okay, a team like Portland has six national team players. How many un- how many unpaid amateurs you are then allowed to call up six unpaid amateurs and we will pay their their daily wage or we will pay for their three days to participate with you guys those that's when we'll cover but we're still going to have a situation which a lot of uh, professional teams have where they have training uh, training partners um, and players who only come to training days. Uh, with the hopes of getting called up. Maybe some teams it's a reserve, it might be T2, it might be S2, um, you know, but these are not players who are on the, on the full team, on the senior team. And it's figuring out at what point does U.S. soccer bite the bullet and say, okay, we fucked up, you know, we scheduled this Japan game too early in the FIFA window, that it's messing up the NWSL schedule. Teams, here you go. Here's 200 bucks per amateur that you have to have on your roster. Because it doesn't behoove a team to put amateurs on the roster. Like, that's fucking up the chemistry. It's not like it's this huge benefit, or it's not like we're going to go out and get, like, Abby Wambach to be this unpaid amateur to come to the Portland Thorns. I mean, I hear she has some time on her hands right now, so... Yeah, I, I don't want that shit on my pitch. Um... But you know what I mean? Like, like there are certain qualifications that we're not going to get the superstar, like, player who was amazing in college and just never decided to go pro. Like, we're going to get players who want to participate in the program. It's our responsibility to not take advantage of them. Like, that's our responsibility as the consumers, to not take advantage of these players. And that's exactly what NWSL and U.S. Soccer are doing right now. The teams, the owners, their hands are tied. You know, Portland's out six players. We only called in three amateurs. Like, we're not padding the books. Like, Mark Parsons called in just the bare minimum that he needs to fill the gaps. Um, So I don't think that this is a, a situation that's wholly mysterious and we don't know what solution can be like it's pretty easy and it's pretty cheap and it actually would then behoove u.s soccer to not schedule these fucking friendlies where they interfere with this with the nwsl schedule right we were told ahead of the season that they had deliberately scheduled it so that international windows wouldn't interfere with the nwsl schedule and we see the first chance they got they fucking interfered with the nwsl schedule so, I guess what I'm saying here is, that really didn't take long for you to fuck up, did it, U.S. Soccer? Yeah, and I'll say, the day U.S. Soccer admits that they fucked up on something regarding just anything, really. Not just specifically the women's national team or women's soccer, but just anything. The day U.S. Soccer says we fucked up is the day I can dunk on an NBA regulation size hoop. And that's not ever going to happen in my life. So I'm not expect. I'm not waiting for Sunil Gulati to come up and say, "Yeah, hey, I'm sorry, we screwed up. We shouldn't have done this." But uh, Gab, what you'd said, what you just said, I agree with everything. It's just frustrating that um, that the, that U.S. Soccer once again is handcuffing teams, and to then for for the fans that want to go watch, ooh, Seattle versus Portland on the NWSL side, they're like. If for some people it could be their first game, the Sunday, the, you know, the one that we're going to, and they'll be like, where's 
everybody that, you know, where's Tobin Heath? Where's so-and-so? And granted, granted, there's more to the NWSL than just, you know, the U.S. national team players. But for, for some people, it could turn them off from ever wanting to come to another game because, of, well, I can't see, you know, the U.S. national team players. But also, at the same time, maybe when they find out why they were why they're not there maybe get some asking you know the same question that we've been asking for a long time but why why is US soccer doing this and I don't know maybe it's a case of the, the more people ask and the louder we ask I'm sure as we are getting exhausted repeating it over and over but maybe if more and more people are asking maybe finally somebody in that little mansion in Chicago that light switch that light bulb comes on and we're like Oh, maybe we should stop doing this. I, I hope for the best, but at the same time, I'm skeptical in that they're not going to do it. And like like I said, are they ever going to admit that they're wrong? Probably not. Well, I think part of what's going on here is U.S. soccer helps subsidize the league to, you know, several million dollar tune. Um, do you think so they're up to several million? They could subsidize to, uh, a lot more. I think they're I think they're up to maybe two. Really, including player sal- all of player salaries? Well, no, because there's no way to quantify player like it, there's no way to quantify the amount of the salary that should would be going to NWSL versus um, their US soccer salary versus be playing for US soccer. Like that's one lump sum to that. So when you look at their books, they're subsidizing it at maybe two million dollars. Okay, but I think they have this attitude like. Well, I paid for this and this and this, so as long as you live under my roof, you're going to have to play at least partially by my rules, which, I mean, some people are going to say that's fair, and some people are going to say that's some paternalistic bullshit. Like, if you're going to fund somebody and tell them to pursue their dreams, you got to let them go at some point, just, like, let them take the money and run. Um, I think that... Hopefully, we'll be having a very different conversation six years from now during NWSL's 10-year anniversary. That would be cool, right? A 10-year anniversary for a league. Hopefully, by the end of NWSL, we'll be like, screw you guys, I'm living on my own and living in a loft apartment funded by... My weed business. There we go, yeah. Heineken. Heineken, yeah. Yeah, everybody's got, you know, shitty beer sponsorships yeah, right now. NWSL has said, screw you guys, I'm living in a city in a loft funded by Heineken. I'll take that. Okay. I, I just, I think that it's also a, an issue where I, this comes back to something that we've heard from a lot of players. They need a fucking union. If the players had a union, there's no way that they would allow unpaid amateurs, A, because of fairness, but B, like, could you imagine being a world-class athlete and you look across the way and an unpaid amateur is slide tackling you like I I would be petrified like sink is out there today and God forbid you know any match where we're playing and yeah I'm knocking on wood stop it um, but God forbid like a players get injured and what if it's reckless like what if it's because of that level of professionalism you know or that level of training and I think that there's certain minimums that if you want to be called a professional league you have to meet those minimums and right now the NWSL is not doing that and unfortunately like safety nets that we thought were in place as you were saying earlier by U.S. Soccer saying we won't schedule friendlies during the NWSL season or the NWSL saying we won't schedule games during the FIFA windows whatever it was like this is blatant disregard 
for their key asset, which is their players. Well, they knew the FIFA window, and these games had to be scheduled. They've been on the schedule for a while, for a couple months, so... You know, since the beginning, probably they've probably known about this since at least the beginning of the season. So, well, they've known about this since they finalized the schedule. Yeah. Like, so somebody lied to us. Like, uh, I wonder if this was even like an issue that they were debating about. Like, oh shit, you know, we're gonna need that five days before the Japan match. Should we even have? Can we afford a two-week buy? Yeah, I think they they knew all this when they were reassuring us, like it's not going to interfere with the schedule. I think they think they thought, well, it'll just be one game, so people won't be as mad at us. But let's see, it's going to be more than one game. Yeah. Well, let's bring it back to and this then, game. Wait for if they win the Olympics, they're going to schedule a bullshit victory tour. Let's bring it back to this game. Okay. This is going to come out after the game has been played. But let's ask for your score predictions based on everything, all the context that we've put into talking about. Jacob, do you think Seattle's going to win, tie, lose, what? They're going to win 3-1. Who's going to score for Seattle? Two from Kim Little, one from Bevianes. Okay, I think that's legit. Gab, what do you think the score's going to be? Um, I think the score will be 3-2, to two, Portland. Um, I think sink. I'm sorry, what? I was I was just agreeing with what you. What shirt are you wearing today? We can separate Who's house my, are you staying at? Just tell us Who's a score prediction. Are you just tell at? us a score prediction. 3-2, Portland. Uh-huh. I'm not telling you who's going to score now. You don't deserve to know my prediction. I do deserve to know your prediction. You betray me. We worked out together this morning, bro. That's like a bond. We, you betrayed me. No. Um, so I think Sync is good for one. I think Mana uh, is due. And um, I'm going to go with Nadia. Nadia Nadim, finally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fine. Well, I mean, she scored. She got that yeah. header yeah. last time we played Seattle. But I don't think that Nadim has quite panned out to the level people were hoping for. I, this is actually ma- matching my expectations for Nadim because I, she's a great striker, but I don't think she's quite the striker that the, the hype surrounding her would suggest. Um, I mean, I love her attitude. I think she's awesome. But yeah, the, uh, she's not really... She, she's meeting my expectations. But I would love today... Mm, I'm going to say a goal and assist from Christine Sinclair. All right? Yeah? Okay. So being that this episode is going to be posted well after the game, let's kind of do... I'll, I'll propose to you to both like a future analysis. Who was the one player on Seattle that annoyed you from for this game? Gab. The one player? <laughs> Just the one. The one that draws your biggest ire. Or that drew your biggest eye, being that it's like, it's like a future analysis yeah. of what could have been. Yeah, so I don't think it's Fishlock. I think Fishlock's going to be a non-issue today, just because she's so raw still. Um, I don't think she's going to put in more than 45 minutes. Um, and if she does, I worry um, about, you know, what what could happen. Um, it's It's got to be little. Like, always little. Like, that... She can make something out of nothing every single time she touches the ball. And I think the the biggest way for us to stop her is just not let her make long runs. 
because um, she's going to transition the ball the most out of the players in the midfield. Like, Keelan's going to be the bruiser again. That's what she does. You know, she's she's a body player. Um, but Little is... If we can neutralize Little and not let her progress the ball and set the tempo, I think I think we have a pretty, pretty good shot at my score prediction. So... It's a little more uncertainty for you right now what the Portland lineup is going to be with so many players out, but there are a couple of things that we know for sure, like Sink is probably going to go in, Shim's going to go in. So um, based on what you know, same question for you, Jacob. Dagny's there, right? Probably, yeah. Okay, that that's my player. That's to what, whatever the result is, I could see myself thinking, yeah, Dagny was a pain in the ass for Seattle. Um, she has the size, the speed, and... And I've, when they announced that she was coming here to the league, I was like, oh, I'm curious to see how she plays. Just like how everybody's, you know, curious and excited to see how Amandine Henri plays when she arrives here. For me, Dagny, seeing what she can do, that's where, like, oh, I'm just as excited about seeing what she can do in this league just as everybody is about Amandine Henri. So I think she's going to be looking back if um, whatever the result is. I would not be surprised if Dagny was, like, the biggest problem for Seattle. Okay, there we have it. Jacob thinks Seattle's going to win 3-1. Gab thinks Portland's going to win 3-2. I'm going to say Sink gets a goal and assist. <laughs> You're like, that's a win for me. Um, you guys have anything else you want to say before we end this special podcast from Portland? I just want to say um, congratulations to you both on the success of Two Drunk Fans. Um, I know you guys were blown away by how quickly you guys met that Kickstarter fun goal. You, met, you guys met it within, the, by the end of the day, by the time people went to work and left work, you guys met your goal and exceeded it. So I just want to say uh, congratulations on you both for doing that. And I, I know I've said it many times over through Twitter, but um, it was, I just wanted to say to you guys in person and, you know, thank you for being nice enough to let a Seattle Rain fan <laughs> be on your podcast, even though I know both of you guys don't really like Seattle Rain. <laughs> It's not that I don't like Seattle Rain. It's it's that I believe in, in rivalries, and they they have to be born out of something. So, you know, that's that's what I'm into. I'm into friendship. This has been another episode of Two Drunk Fans. Hopefully, Gab is correct. Sorry, Jacob, Sorry. but I know what city I'm in. I know whose apartment I'm staying in. We... Hey, I'm here for friendship too. Aww, gross.